0: Welcome back to Hot Pizza Ass Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Darling-Teralva. Today, I have Eric Jensen on the show, who is a farmer and critically acclaimed winemaker at Booker and My Favorite Neighbor in Paso Robles and host of Pop and Cork's podcast. What I love about this conversation is that Eric really keeps it real and tells us about how he ended up in Paso, leaving a career producing music festivals behind to enter the wine industry, an industry that requires patience and a very different skill set from what he was doing before. This is an episode about growth, change, avoiding all those wine douchebags and building community. He's built a really strong one and he's actively giving back. If you've ever wanted to change paths in life or maybe pack up your shit and move away and become a farmer, this is your episode. Here's Hot Pizza Ass with Eric Jensen and a special appearance from my sometimes co-host, Zach Harper. Enjoy. So it is one of the most beautiful, gorgeous days up here in Impasso, and we have the pleasure of sitting next to Eric Jensen, who is a winemaker, farmer, but also podcaster, and we just did an episode of his show, Pop and Corks. I'm also joined with Zach Harper, who, as you guys know, frequent guest on Hot Ass yeah. and sometimes co-host. Sometimes. Oftentimes, especially during the pandemic. But Eric, this is about you today. We are sipping on, what are we drinking right now?
1: We started, uh, with a little Krug champagne. Yeah. So to, to me, maybe the most diverse, well-rounded house, uh, champagne houses in the world, top to bottom. They really don't have a bottom, unfortunately. So it is, uh, <laughs> it's, you know, it's a, spe- it's a special deal. It's not something most people, the normal person can't have every day, but, uh, for you too. And, uh, you left something out. I mean, is there anything else? That you need to say about you two? I mean, do you guys share a bed or? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I think people that follow me on Instagram or listen to the podcast yeah, the know Zach at this point, yeah. has been announced as my boyfriend. Um Ooh, that yeah. yes, because otherwise has. I just
1: kind of screwed it up. Huh? <laughs> and well, I won't cuss today. either. It, I mean, no, you can you can you say can
0: whatever cost, you want. Yeah. yeah,
2: no, if I wasn't at this point, it would just be kind of creepy. That would be weird. Yeah, that would be weird. Yeah,
0: who's strange. the
1: dude with the perfect beard that keeps hanging around her? And uh, all right. <laughs> well, welcome to Paso. I, I appreciate Thank you guys you so much for having us. coming and uh, cheers to the beautiful yeah. Krug we're drinking.
0: Cheers. cheers. This is absolutely delightful. And so something that I wanted to talk to you about, Eric, that fascinates me about your life, you as a person, is the, the fearlessness, the big energy, the, how bold you are, and the fact that you completely changed career paths and you were successful. You've been successful at both. So what fascinates me about this whole story is I think a lot of people, especially in the pandemic, have been reassessing their life on all fronts. And there are a lot of people that maybe you realize they're not doing what they want to do in life. So for you, I want to hear your whole story. I want to walk it back. So where does this story start from you when you're kind of figuring out what you want to do? And I want to hear about that moment where you're like, I kind of want to make wine.
1: Well, we won't spend a lot of time with the early days because I wasn't. Successful. I had a lot of failures. And, you know, I wasn't good in school. I wasn't, I majored in fraternity in college. I was just a knucklehead. And a light bulb went off when I started going to the business uh, club. I got it. This dude met me. He's like, man, you need to be in the business club. So I was like a six year senior. And I still don't have a degree, by the way. And he's like, hey, you need to come to the business club and see these speakers. You're going to love these guys. And, you know, I started. Two or three or four things that I wasn't great at. Like I was great at uh, when I started selling REITs and limited partnerships, but I didn't like handling people's money. I was really bad at it, and so I had to get out of it. And then I got in the concert business, and I started doing festivals, and I wasn't great at that. I was good at – the sponsors had fun. I was the life of the party, man. We had yeah. – the green room was <laughs> backstage. was baller. But it, it was funny because the guy that really – took over the company, a childhood friend of mine, Rich Sherman and, and, and my old assistant Ryan, They're just so much better at it than I was. So I actually had a lot of failures. Yes. I ended up selling that business. I made a little bit of money enough to buy this piece of property. It wasn't a lot, but it wasn't until I truly found what I loved. And, and so it's, to me, it's a great story for inspiration because yeah, I got by and, and, You know, I had a house and a car, and you know, I had a wife and a kid, and you know, but I was going through motions and had, like I said, a lot of failures. It wasn't until I found what I loved that changed everything. And that stupid old saying everybody hates it, won't you? You know, find what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Man, bullshit. Whoever said that doesn't know Mondays, right? Maybe, know, <laughs> what you do. Monday. Who doesn't
0: know taxes, y'all? Right, I mean, yeah. there's still shit you gotta do. You're not gonna Monday do.
1: sucks because Sunday <laughs> is fun day. And, but it wasn't until I found wine and a real passion that then everything changed. And that's where we're at now. So, yeah, heartbreak and it, it it so many people should draw inspiration from hearing that because just because you may have had a couple failures doesn't mean that your greatest success isn't still coming and i got a 100 people i can drop names and say this guy wasn't successful until 50
0: mm-hmm. 60
1: 48
0: you know that's amazing i already feel energized just yeah. by that speech alone
2: well, i'm i'm curious like what the, what the moment was where you decided like Okay, I'm jumping into this. Because, I'm jumping into wine. Yeah, because that that's that's a huge undertaking, right? Like to decide I'm gonna go into the wine business.
1: Well, I was in the music business doing festivals before Coachella and those guys were cool and all the Palooza. So I was doing festivals when they weren't cool. Mm-hmm. It's called a soft ticket. Nobody wanted to buy a soft ticket, they wanted to buy day of. A hard ticket, you bought a seat. Mm-hmm. And and the, even the big concert companies didn't understand it. They didn't want any part of it. Like, eh, it's soft ticket. We can't we can't control the back end. Does does our artist make extra money if they sell X amount of tickets, etc., etc. You get treated like shit. The roadies were always mad. They're on the road the whole time. They treat you like shit. There's times when you lose your ass and you struggle to pay. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of times I had to write bad checks. I mean, it was a rough road. I remember writing bad checks at the grocery store just to eat. And I didn't boast it. When I wrote a bad check, I I went big. Yeah, I wrote two fifty. I got all the ground beef for like you're two not, weeks. You're not
2: going $24 on I a of twenty four dollars. I didn't right? write a twenty four dollars. no. I got
1: tortillas. <laughs> I got noodles, ground beef, pasta you know, sauce. You know stretch, yeah. I, I got yeah. three weeks, and we always made up that check. The lights were out half the time, but when when I was backstage at the concerts, we, the one common thread we always drank wine, and then the concert company started rolling a little bit, and. We found a groove, we had some big time sponsors and we were finding our groove and backstage it was always me and the manager. Okay, what do you bring? I'm bringing this. So we had this little wine fraternity. All my vacations were around wine and I knew that's where I wanted to be. And one day I just got tired of it. It was the start of the dot-com boom and I wanted to actually start a dot-com company for selling sponsorships to events. Mm -hmm. And I started kind of designing a platform for that and my heart just kept saying, "Pasarillos, where I got married, Pasarillos, and be a farmer." And my friends are like, "Dude, you would farm for one day and quit. You are a <laughs> pussy. Like, you got a gardener." And by the way, I didn't grow up a pussy. I, you know, I used to. I grew up in a, you know, family of nine. Dad made twenty five grand a year, twenty eight grand a year in right. San Dimas. We still in the home. I mean, we grew. I grew up in a thousand square foot home with nine to eleven bodies, two runaways, and so. But I got a little soft. And so I think when I first bought this property and moved out of here, I just did it to prove my friends wrong. I'm like fuck these guys, I'll I'll, I'll show these guys. Yeah. <laughs> and but I found what I loved, and I said I'm going to be in the Yamas. I'm going to be a farmer. My wife trusted me. It was very hard for her. This isn't an easy move. Paso twenty years ago, mm-hmm. you know, from Newport Beach, right. Like You know, hard move. But that that was it, man. Once I got here, it was in my blood. Farming was always in my blood because that's what my dad and his family did. And the family, you know, before that, I guess eventually we were all farmers going back. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, you know what? There's like a corny-ass metaphor here kind of about like harvesting your, your seeds and stuff like that. But um, in your case – it's it's kind of true because it's not something that you can just do overnight. Like if I wanted to launch a product and I wanted to create, you know, what whatever, a skincare line, I could hire a lab and do it in a couple of months. But what you're doing, you're like tilling the soil. You're figuring it out. You have to wait for things to grow. What was that learning process like? And how did you seek out mentorship?
1: I found the two best people I thought in the business, Stefano Seo of La Venture Wines and Justin Smith of Saxon. They're both legends. They're both, you know. Multiple 100 point wines, you know, their wine lists are possible. You know, they've got four or five wines each that you just almost can't get. And this was way before that, but I knew right away. I was instinctual. I got lucky. Most of that was luck. I just said, I like their wines better and these guys are going to be big hits. And so they trained me. And then I started hiring the best scientists in the world because these guys were left behind. The scientists just got to teach in school. They dreamed about talking to winemakers. Right. And so, I started hiring these guys to teach me how to farm at a higher level, learning soil science, et cetera. So, and you're right. I mean, I could start a winery tomorrow and just go buy bulk juice and Mm -hmm. blend, but to do it the way we do it, right? Booker is biodynamic. Mm -hmm. We're organic certified. There's just no corners cut. So it was four years of growing and then a year and a half to two years in barrel. Mm -hmm. So it's a six year year. Before you're even producing wine. Before, Before
0: you can sell. Wow. A Before sip I make of a penny.
2: Right. Yeah. Before <laughs> I make a dime. That's insane. It's a
1: horrendous business model. Yeah. I advise nobody to get in this. That's so why these billionaires, the business becomes actually easy because all these rich people, these douchebags get in and, well, I was the best in tech. I'm going to go. And then they build these $40 million facilities. And because they don't get 100 points on their wine, they cry and they charge <laughs> 500 bucks and can't sell it. Like, what moron wants to spend 500 bucks on a bottle of wine? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it. A fool and his money soon go separate ways. And you find out in my business, those wines are usually a waste of your money. You can find a sixty, seventy, eighty, ninety dollar bottle just as good. Below that it's hard. Yeah. But uh anyways, yeah, so a long drawn out process.
0: Yeah, that's I love this whole story because I, I to me it says a lot about patience. I'm not a patient. Patient person at all? She
2: is not a patient no, person. No, 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 at all. no.
0: Like six months seems like a long time for me, but six years—that's that's hard for me to wrap my head around. How did you navigate that process?
1: Well, first of all, I've been following you guys leading into this, and and you have a lot more patience than I have. Like I call, I'll literally email. I will never wake them up. I'll never call them or text them. I email the team randomly. Twelve. I get an idea at three in the morning, and I get up. And we're executing the idea at eight a.m. And a lot of time we go two weeks, and I have to say, "Sorry, I wasted your time. That was a bad idea." And they're just like, "Why don't choke me?" But when I think through it, but I am so impatient. I go the old saying, "Go slow to go fast." I go fast to go faster. Yeah. So I don't know how I did it, man. I think I probably smoked a bunch of weed. Uh, The kids were young, so that was different because when I moved here, the boys were basically two and one. Mm -hmm. My daughter wasn't born yet, Genevieve, who works at the winery now. And Jake's coming back this uh, uh, summer to work at the winery before he goes on to his career in finance. And I think my patience was the kids. It grounded me because I would literally – I remember I used to park the tractor right out in front of the house like a car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'd come in at five. The boys would be waiting, throwing the football up in the air. From like four years old on, they'd be hitting off the T and T ball, waiting, and they'd see me and they'd wave me down and run out there and jump on my lap in the tractor. and They'd be, Dad, you ready to hit some balls? <laughs> I mean, I've been <laughs> up since four a.m. You know.
0: You're like I'm sunburnt. I'm tired. Uh, no. <laughs>
1: yeah. The whole the whole wine like glamour shit. It, it, there's it's no truth. There, to it. yeah. It's hot. There's yeah. bugs. And so I'd come in, and. I'd pitch to them, or I'd, I'd line them up, and we'd play, get on the bed, the bed the in bed the master bedroom, and they'd light each other up playing bed football. Yeah, And so that was the deal. And as they grew up, they were just waiting. Parked the tractor, come out. Go, yeah. Max had to throw 60 pitches. Jake wanted to run routes. And it was just... And then as they got older and didn't want me anymore, that's when my... A D D and impatience kicked immediately back in and we right. started growing the company like a rocket ship. Mm-hmm. And and you know, Harvey and Harriet, my thirty dollar brand, which is also organically farmed, legit, no sugar, no shit. Wine business is corrupt. Wine business is and I'm trying to stop that. I'm trying to break aristocratic barriers down of it's a rich person's game. Like you and I me and Zach are basically in so I I am in swim trunks. I put my shirt on for the podcast, but I'm taking it right back off. Cause yeah. when you guys got here, I was in the jacuzzi wine <laughs> should just be no different than beer. Right. Yeah. And so, um, I lost my train of thought. I don't know. But
0: but you know what? Like, that's what we love about you. And that's why we think that uh, your brand is so cool and everything that you do is so um, there's so much authenticity here because, I mean, let's just tell a quick story about our New Year's. Do you want to oh do you want to tell the stories that So
2: I'm a big believer and I've tried to impart this on on Aaron of like, I don't care how small the accomplishment is. We're going to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I just like, look, the pandemic sucks. Like. It's horrible, but celebrate everything. if you got a meeting, I don't care how poorly it went, I don't know how great it met, went, we're going to celebrate the meeting, right? We're going to celebrate everything. You you feel like the step move forward, I don't care how small the step is, we're going to celebrate. And so we often will just buy like a $20, $30 bottle of champagne to, like, to celebrate whatever.
0: We'll buy like Chandon or something, Chandon like, or that. something like that. Yeah. And, like,
2: and so it was New Year's and our second New Year's together. and We're going big. And so we're like, you know what? We're like, fuck it. We're gonna get uh, what is it,
0: Perrier
2: Jouet, the
1: flower bottle? Yes, yeah. flower oh.
2: bottle, flower oh. bottle, two hundred dollars. Like go to up. go to the go to the liquor store, two hundred dollar bottle. Well, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like we're I'm buying it. We're gonna sell. We're having a good New Year's. Spend like of money. we made it through, whatever. And so we we're like doing this whole like she's super into like
0: vision boards
2: and stuff like this. <laughs> we I'm made like,
0: a lobster dinner. We yeah, made a like... lobster
2: dinner. Like I'm like we're gonna have a good New Year's in the pandemic. And we open the bottle. We pour it and we're doing our vision boards, and I sip it. I'm like, "This is not good. I don't like this." But I don't like. I'm like, "Am I so uncultured that I don't know that this is actually what champagne is supposed to taste?"
0: And I'm like? a little more cultured because I you're grew up cultured, in a. Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, you
1: whoa. know, She's a lot more cultured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know?
0: just
1: ran the poor brother over, man. He didn't even comb his hair today, and now you're kicking it. the thing, I did. I, That's the same
0: I don't mean it like that. All I mean. been a long time on my hair. I come from a wine family my parents love wine like wine has always been like for my 21st birthday like my parents and I went to Napa like that's the party I had you know so I love wine I know more about it and I knew this was a nice bottle and I knew he had spent money on it. It
1: must have been a bad bottle. Bottles get bad. I know, and I didn't
0: want to say, neither one of us said anything because he was like, am I so uncultured that this is good but it's bad? And And I was like, I don't want to make him feel bad because it's New Year's Eve and he spent money on it. And we didn't really discuss it until the next day when we were both like, yo, that was shitty, right? Yeah, she's like, like,
2: so the champagne was, I was like, terrible, right? She's like, yes. I was like, I thought so, but I didn't want to say so. It was in 2000. Dinner was
1: good. The lobster oh was God. good. We got naked, I think. I don't yeah, know. what was like, I yeah. up. But the champagne, the champagne was, was shit. Right? It was terrible, right? Yeah. You guys, things get bad. There's a reason. So the whole douchebaggery of this business that makes me disgusted is when the fancy song comes up. You know, when he's, you know, <laughs> taste the wine. And so it's, it's like, like Homeboy in Omaha, Nebraska is like, fuck it. Give me a Jack and Coke. I don't even right. need yeah. to right. Don't confuse me. Right. You're scaring me and I'm on a first date. And so the reason we smell a cork and we smell the wine is because... A fungus gets in the cork and ruins the bottle. Okay. So my guess is your bottle was probably either had what we would call bottle sickness or was corked oh my God. and it got oxidized. It was probably mm-hmm. a little discolored. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it was all the yeah.
2: time.
0: Yeah, it was orange. And so it was orange. With,
1: <laughs> yes, it was orange. So yeah, it was what was orange. It was, orange, it was a little flat, like, yeah. yeah, It was
0: like Billy Cart, but gross. Right, Billy like Cart's delicious. So
1: by the way, just so you know, yeah, don't ever fucking buy a twenty-year-old because. Pandemic, you bought a two thousand. That bottle's yeah. twenty years old. Yeah,
0: we thought that was a plus. No, we <laughs> thought it was a that plus. was champagne. I'm. Yeah,
1: that's a gamble at best. I'm drinking Krugs. You, yeah. I, I'm drinking I, like a ninety six or ninety eight. I hate old shit, but I've been this at parties. Ninety six? No, this is new vintage. Oh my gosh! Um, and and there, I, twice I've had them fucked, wasted, yeah. and then one time I had it like totally good. It was like so the bottle changes, right? Yeah, but. The, the beauty of what you just said is just be honest. Right. And so me and Lisa will open it. And it, if it sucks, we put a cork in it. We t- we take it to the youngsters, the youngster, <laughs> yeah. They just go to town, yeah. they don't give they don't a shit yeah. about it, man. They, they <laughs> I, fucking.
0: Oh, like, this was two hundred bucks. For, ah. Yeah,
1: you know, they're choking it down. We
0: take a picture for the gram. That's we, all you need. Right?
2: You know? Literally, that's what we, <laughs> we did. keep the bottle. The bottle is displayed. Yeah, we yeah. the bottle's yeah, beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, and
1: the note of that shitty bottle <laughs> will have a little
2: more crude. right? Now. Well, you you oh. said something that I I find fascinating. I'm curious what your thought process is. Is you said you'll email you know three in the morning by 8 a.m. you're executing a plan and then you're like look that wasn't a good plan I'm sorry and you said you've been through a lot of failure I've I've tried to have the mentality of I don't consider it failure unless i haven't learned something from it, right? Fail fast. Yeah, like you like you fail and if and if you learn something from it, you can turn it into a success. And that's something i really cuz i've failed a fucking lot in my business trying to trying to be what i want to be. And
0: i can relate to that too as a comic because like if i think of a joke or an idea or a bit i want to do on stage and i put it up on stage that day, i have a rule where i will i will do it maybe like 3 or 4 times and if it bombs every time, i got to move on. Yeah. But like i fail really quickly in that.
1: Well, listen, there's we don't have to belabor this concept, right? There's Mm -hmm. never been a good idea that wasn't hatched out of failure. So Mm -hmm. there's no need to even continue the conversation. Nobody invented the light bulb on the first try. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nobody invented, ESPN was the biggest joke in the world when they came out. Yeah. Joke. Joke. So there's never been anything that was created on try one, right? Right. Uh, So, yeah.
2: But but for you, at what point is it, that's too many tries or does that,
1: exi- does that exist for you? I just think for me I'm a little bit different because, right, we're established now. And so for me, once I think through the process and I think, does this affect the brand? Mm-hmm. And so for you, you two have to think about this because really like you, you were talking about on the last podcast of yours I listened to, it's like you are the brand. I mean, you're working at home. It's like you, you eat what you kill, right? Mm-hmm. Am I doing something that's affecting Aaron Darling? And if you are, rethink it, back off and say, Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is this is uh this is uh bastardizing the brand. Mm-hmm. So normally my ideas that are failures are, you know, just something that might belittle the brand.
2: Right.
1: You know, so I back off of it. Like, this isn't what the brand was meant to be, you yeah. know. This isn't the direction, this isn't right. who we are. Why am I trying so hard on NFTs or, you know? bringing bitcoin in or this or that new things
0: you know mm-hmm. so oh oh i like that yeah. nfts and bitcoin yeah so is there anything like are are you constantly thinking about branding or is that kind of like something that's secondary and you kind of have to check yourself and like correct course a little bit because i'm kind of the type of person it sounds like we're kind of similar i kind of like doing a lot of different stuff but then i kind of have to refocus and be like wait i'm Because I'm a person that works as a personality. I'm kind of everything I do has to be in one kind of lane, which is frustrating. But also like when I check myself, it all helps the whole big picture make more sense.
1: Well, listen, I mean, if, if if, the, the the Booker brand is different than Harvey and Harriet, my favorite neighbor, Mm -hmm. Booker's 75 to $160. And Harvey and Harriet is 30 and my favorite is 50. So down there at that room we're going to turn the music up. It's going to be bom boom, bom boom. You know it's going to be a rave, right? <laughs> yeah. We're going to fucking turn new people onto wine. Beer drinkers we're going to convert. Right. It's we're going to show hey, this is what wine's about. Uh, Booker, we don't want it to be stodgy, but it's not rave music. It might be a little Bob Moses and Rufus, but so we we're always thinking about the brand and the direction, man. everybody does that, right? Prada has to do that. Mm-hmm. Mercedes, one of the biggest gambles ever was that E-Class, right? It kind right. of bastardized Mercedes mm-hmm. and changed them as a car company. Mer- their profits might say for the better, but for most of us, the Mercedes is no longer what we thought because now anybody can drive it. Right. And I like that because I'm a more inclusive guy mm-hmm. that grew up with no money. But the rich people now, they hate know, kind yeah. of, they, oh, Now there's all these Mercedes on the road. So yeah, I'm always driven by just protecting the brand and what what channel and what lane that brand is in. I don't want to try to become everything to everybody.
0: Is there a moment where you looked around and you're like, oh shit, I made it. Like this worked.
1: Never, never. Yeah, you know, when I pee outside. (laughs) So at night when we have parties, I always go pee outside. Yeah. And I don't like to waste water, man. I'm a farmer. And I look up at the stars I see shooting stars here in Paso. And I'm just like, God, how lucky did I get? Just, you know, what, what did I do that someone else didn't do? And so I ask myself those questions. But no, when I wake back up, I slap myself. I remember the first thing I say when I wake up is learn something new today. You're a beginner. Don't be the smartest guy in the room. I tell myself all these phrases. Like, don't ever think you're the smartest person in the room because you're not. The second you think that you're an idiot, you make a fool out of yourself. And you're a beginner. Today's a new start. Learn something every day. And so every day as I'm going to get that lemon water, as I'm going to get that with my liver shot, by the way. Cleanse the liver, man. I'm always worried about my liver. I'm just worried about the liver. Uh, I always remind myself that. Learn something every day that you can learn something from everybody. Everybody in my company is so highly trained. That's where I made a mistake by saying my company, our company is just so good at what they do that they teach me so much. So don't be closed-minded because it's not your idea. Be excited to be around other people that even hire people that are better than you. They're, that You want a novel concept? I've tried to convince all of my... People that are now climbed up the ladder, don't be afraid to hire someone better than you. They right. just make you look better. Right? Mm-hmm. You're come. You're safe here. That yeah. person's going to make you look better. If you hire an assistant or a manager in a different area that's better, a they drive everybody else, but they make you look good. Don't be afraid of and uh, of other success. And the other thing is, I don't ever want to be the last stop for anybody. I want people to understand. Come to Booker and work, but if you get an opportunity to own your own company, I'm going to give you a hug and I'll support you. How can I help? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want everybody to be able to have exactly the opportunity that I had. And so that's another thing. Employers screw themselves by not being, everyone says we're customer first. That's an enormous mistake, I think. I'm employee first. And we got young Max, the engineer here, and he'll tell you that. Yeah. I want everyone to be successful. Yeah. Not just me. Why Why would I ever want me to have that American dream? And by the way, never be guilty about that. Like this shit that's going on about making people feel guilty. I don't fucking have an ounce of guilt. Shit. I used to get up to go to the bathroom at three in the morning and step on a body <laughs> on the way to the bathroom. <laughs> you know, I shared a room with four girls. I didn't get it. You know, when people bag on the NBA guys. Oh, right. he took a big contract. He's a sellout. Yeah, he slept on the floor for the first say, eighteen years I'm, of his I'm life. I'm on team you cash idiot. out. Yeah. Team
2: cash out as much
1: yeah, as you same. can. Yeah. But it's so funny that people like judge that person. Right. So mm-hmm. for me, I'm my attitude is it's I'm an employee first company because I the way I see it, if my employees are happy and if I take care of them and if they're all a ownership mentality, They'll take care of the customer because they'll know that that customer is everything. Right. So, And Amazon, by the way, is doing a shift right now. You're seeing that with that union scare. Now, all of a sudden, they're coming out and, hey, we're shifting. We're not customer first. We're now employee first. Mm -hmm. That's a great company. Take care of your people. Yeah. And and pay them. Well, I'm curious. Have you always had
2: that? That mentality of like or of look, I don't need to be the smartest person in the world or I want to be employee first, or did that take some learning?
1: Oh, it definitely took learning. I was a dick. I was an asshole. Yeah.
0: Tell us about that. Like at what point did you realize, oh, this is not working? This is not the jam.
1: I remember my buddy Mike Oliver, who I'm still great friends with, lives in Greenville, South Carolina. If my shoulder wasn't shredded, I was supposed to be with him last week. And by the way, you guys, we can move to that red wine, or there's more Krug here, and I yeah, won't I'm, be offended.
0: Oh my God, um, I'm champagne. I will, I will not be offended.
1: We do have a 15 fracture open, Max, if you want to jump into yeah, that. Max. But yeah. listen, we got, we got Krug open. Um, <laughs> I remember Ollie looking at me at 23 or 24 when we were doing a spring break, a huge spring break promotion in Lake Havasu. And I chewed everyone's ass because I thought they were fucking around because yeah. they were out at night. She's good. She's on bubbles, bro. That's
0: all all right. I'll drink both. Don't worry. I got you, baby. <laughs> and uh,
1: I chewed their asses out. These are all my good friends, by the way. And I was melting clearly. Yeah. And I remember Ollie stood up in the meeting and goes, If you think, if you think you can do it all, fuck you, do it. And Ollie's this big six, eight, beast he was a college superstar lineman probably should have played in the nfl but i that was a huge moment for me yeah and then but i didn't get better immediately it still took time to realize what my most important asset was and i apologize to him profusely to this day just what an absolute asshole what a so a lesson to be learned on that. There's always room for change. Yeah. You can always get better. But remind yourself always in business, I got to learn something today. I have to listen and I have to learn. I'm not the be all end all. I might own the company, but if you think you could do it alone, have at it. I don't care if you're George Clooney. Right, He's got people around him. He's got agents. He's got publicists that are landing him deals. Someone talked him into that Casamigos deal that walked him ass backwards into 700 mil. He
2: didn't just say, you know what? Tequila today.
1: I'll do that. No. Yeah. Him and Gerber made him and dicking around in Mexico, but someone made that deal happen and it wasn't those two. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you remind yourself of that. You remind yourself that it takes a lot of other people. Yeah. And, you know, I, I took a large partner as a minority partner on. My partner owns, uh, uh, it's Constellation. They own Modelo Corona, Mm uh, uh, just a great company and they leave me alone. They don't talk to me and I laid ground rules down, uh, that this is how the culture has to be. Mm -hmm. And they're like, done. Wow. We're, we're in. We want our company to have this culture. Mm -hmm. And it was like, all right. So, yeah.
0: I like that. I was listening to – I forget who it was. I feel so bad. I listen to so many podcasts that sometimes I forget who the guest is or who the person is. But it was um, an entrepreneur, and she was talking about how a big thing that she likes to think about is how can I serve today and how can I like be of service to my team and hype them up, and those are the things that give her value And I was like, that's pretty dope because I know at the end of the day we all have like a bottom line or like there's always numbers going on in the back of someone's head of anyone that runs a business. But I think to prioritize the people that you work with and how can I serve them and like make sure that they're excited to be here. Like that's so cool. And I'm so glad that we're talking about that because being people focused is so much more authentic than being bottom line focused.
1: Well, if you want, productivity and you want success and you want people to stay there Mm -hmm. yeah you know elon musk is a great story because he berates people this is just a fact like we all look at him as this cool dude goes on rogan and smokes a jet and you know whatever and sends these cryptic tweets and gets in trouble by the sec or you know whatever (laughs) but homeboy needs to get be a better human yeah Mm -hmm. for sure you know he there was times he was sleeping in the office. He's relentless, right? Mm-hmm. So he's he's a legendary worker, legendary mind, but a legendary dick. And there's just no amount of money, celebrity, that you could put on anything. Here's what I always told my kids. Live every day like you're preparing for your funeral. Mm-hmm. Who's going to show? Mm-hmm. And are they going to look around, show just to see who else is there? Right. Is it going to be a typical L.A.? Right. Uh, uh, movie agent uh, type of funeral where they're only there to, oh, yeah, he was an asshole, but hey, yeah, look, there's John over there, you know. <laughs> or are they going to come and they're going to say great things because you helped change their life or their kid's life? or And I've always told them prepare every day like you're preparing for your funeral. And Elon and, and a lot of these guys don't do that. Yeah. They just legendarily berate in front of people. Yeah. Like that's the cool thing. Right, and it's like why mm-hmm. what, what do you gain out of that and so what happens with a lot of these companies with those types of CEOs those guys leave and start competitive companies right they're great and they learn and you hope it's not like the son of an alcoholic that becomes the alcoholic or right. the son of an abuser that becomes an abuser mm-hmm. you hope they're like I know what I'm not gonna be like I got a lot of friends that had dads that are alcoholics they just don't drink like, I already saw what it did man I ain't going there yeah um you hope that their new companies are employee focused. It's a big topic right now, you guys. I'm mm-hmm. yep, sure. Straighten Huge. your shit up. Yeah. Yep. We don't need unions. Right. If the owner does the right thing, the only reason we need unions it's is the to babysit own- dickheads. Right. Yeah. Well, so
2: I so we were talking about this before this podcast started, and I'm and I'm interested to know more. So you give back quite a bit, right? Yeah. Especially in- so
0: you. Yeah, he basically created a great community here, but a community that gives back to the community. We'd love to hear a little bit about that. So we started
1: a charity with a bunch of wine people called Must Charities. We give back, but we do it very strict, right? Most charities in this world should go out of business. They should just be axed. Come in, Mm -hmm. cut their throats, put them out of business. Uh, 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 Jamie had a mom that got leukemia, so she starts a charity it costs 85 cents on the dollar to operate it. 15 goes to the, that's how this game works. Right. Mm-hmm. Most of those need to go away. It's why Warren Buffett said, I'm going to give all my money to Bill Gates. Mm-hmm. Why? Cause he had infrastructure. He had the plan. He had the people to execute. And so we started a charity that looks at the mo- the biggest needs in the community and then attacks those one at a time. and, We'll go to people, and they'll pitch us, and we'll say, you need to actually go away, like dissolve, merge with these guys because you're wasting people's money. Mm-hmm. We'll tell them that. Right.
2: How does that go over? It
1: never goes <laughs> over. It never goes over well.
2: Yeah, I would imagine not, right? Like, a, lot of them,
1: a lot of them get out of the business Yeah, because they realize the talk. It's like you're not a comp- You're not moving any needle. Yeah. Like you buying some bats and balls for these kids. It's doing nothing. Right. And that's, I watched this thing on 60 Minutes, this this cat. What a great guy. He runs the Ford Foundation. I forget what his name is. He's a African-American and he's gay. And he runs the Ford Foundation, one of the most, you know, white bread, no change families formerly. Right. Now, in fact, so much so that the family separated a lot from the, 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 the foundation because of beliefs. But this guy is attacking the problem at the root of the problem. And that's what we try to do here locally. For instance, we get migrant farm workers, mm-hmm. right? And, and by the way, we don't have enough farm workers. For all y'all that think that, that there's too many Hispanics, we don't have enough. Now, I'm not saying just open borders because you have to have control and there's got to be accountability. But quit worrying Ain't no white guy gonna do the job. No one, no one, no, no one's coming down, <laughs> n- knocking down your door, saying, "Hey,
2: I need to till the fields I for you." Wanna right? Want to go
1: out there and pick yeah. blackberries and blueberries mm-hmm. and grapes? It didn't happen. So what happens though is these guys come over
2: mm-hmm.
1: illegally, and they they give a fake social security, and in the state of California, if they sign an i 9 nine, you're forced to uh, believe them. And and by the way, here's the other thing: they pay taxes. Yeah. I mean, they don't pay taxes. Bullshit. You know how much they get back? Zero. Mm -hmm. It goes to a fake Social Security that floats around at the IRS, and they get. Right. They never get it. Right. So we need to stop saying they're not paying taxes. Right. Because not only are they paying taxes, they don't get any money back.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. They're never getting a refund, right? There
1: ain't no refund. So now that we've got that clear, second generation's like, I know what mom and dad are doing if I can get to work for 12 bucks. So first of all, we pay at the top of the scale. So we're paying 15, 16, 17 an hour. Mm-hmm. We're giving people health insurance. Wow. But now we started a foundation. Well, not a foundation, but uh, within our foundation, a scholarship fund. And so we're finding the kids, farm workers, only kids and identifying them at a young age and saying, if you want to continue, we got your back. We'll send you to college. Yeah. Doesn't have to be a wine. You want to be an engineer? Go, we got you. Mm -hmm. So that's really important. So to me, that's second generation crime, hopelessness, drugs. Go right to the that source. Solve the problem at the source. Create hope. Create opportunity. Right. Stuff that we all had, right? Yeah, absolutely. We just we inherently had. They inherently don't have. And so if we want to break the cycle, the, the the guy on 60 Minutes said, every rich person likes to just throw money at problem. This is not a bag on rich, by the way. But we feel good as somebody that has money to throw, write a check. Like, I'm doing my share. And then we walk away. We need to do more. We need to find the root of the problem so that everybody has opportunity. And the root of the problem, I mean, if it's homelessness, is it, is it opioid abuse? And then is it the doctor's? Do we need to lock these motherfuckers up? Is it who's writing the prescriptions?
0: Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Where, how do we get to the root? Otherwise, we just got to cut. We, you just got to chop off and say, okay, everybody over the age of 50, sorry, there's nothing I can do for you. Right. Let's just go after the kids. But we don't want to do that, so we got to go after the root of how this is happening, try to solve it from the root. And yeah. so that's what we're trying to do to stop it from continuing. Otherwise, you can't solve homelessness. homeless. What are you right, getting, them, a yeah, blanket? Right. You think that's stopping mm-hmm. homelessness? Creating a shelter? We need that. But creating a shelter is not stopping the homelessness.
0: Right. I mean, as someone that lives in Hollywood, oh, I mean, I wish you could see what it's like right now. It's, yeah, it's awful. It's, it's, really, it's Our it's homeless really problem sad. is yeah. terrible. And the thing that really pisses me off a lot about living in Los Angeles is just the wealth disparity. It's something... Zach and I talk about a lot because, you know, it's at the point where, you know, I live like in the heart of Hollywood and I don't even want Zach to park on the street anymore because there have been people's windows smashed in and lots of crime and lots of drug stuff. And it's like it's violent crime happening more and more and more and more, especially in the past year. And it's L.A.'s not doing a good job of addressing it at the root. Horrible
1: job. Horrible job, yeah. And
0: they were like, okay, we're going to build some shelters and their Home Depot sheds. No,
1: I mean, L.A. might be the worst. L.A. and San Francisco's the worst. Yeah. yeah. But L.A.'s second. Here, let's do this. You know, San Francisco's deal is uh, just let them sleep in the parks. They, yes, they can go to the bathroom. They got to go to the bathroom. Instead of saying, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And then how do we stop it? Like, these 10,000, I don't know what we do with them. Right, like that I don't, I'm not smart enough to have the answer to. Do we create a city... And and get them sober and work and uh, teach them reteach them trade. I, I don't know that answer. I'm not so I don't want people sending me bad you know whatever. Good right. thing I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> so sending me the fuck That's you a Smart move. I, yeah, I don't, I don't have any. But how do we address it to stop it? And we're not doing that.
0: Mm-mm. No. And then
1: the wealth in L. A. and San Francisco. Dude.
0: Embarrassing. And these guys just
1: keep thinking the Silicon Valley cats just. Well, I donated to the homeless shelter. Woo! Yeah, and,
2: and what? So you got some blankets, right? And, a and what did that dog. money do, right? Like, what did
1: the money do? It didn't do shit. Zero. Yeah, and most philanthropy in the United States is wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't doesn't do shit. Exacer- in fact, arguably exacerbates the problem. Yeah. So, what, at what point? At what point
2: did did you and and the people helping you with this foundation, like, at what point did you realize like this is something we should do?
1: Well, when we went, we got together and then we went after a bank to chip in and help fund us. And this dude at the bank was a superstar. He was at Robo Bank, Fred Mendez. He goes, you guys don't know your ass from your elbows. He like, because he had like pitched congressmen and people in D.C. And so when Fred started asking us questions, we didn't know shit about shit. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I like your guys passion though. So we are going to invest. And our first investment is going to be in training you. So they brought a group out of San Francisco and to train us all what I'm regurgitating right now. Wow. It took a year. Wow. Until we knew exactly what we we're doing, they wouldn't give us any more money. And so you got all these business owners being trained, and, and, and it was the greatest eye opening thing. And they're like, oh, wow. Let me give me a simple, simple example you start a charity in Hollywood. Mm hmm. And you start raising a bunch of money. And you're like, God, look what we've done for, let's call it cancer. Hollywood probably only has a pie and look at a circle, right? That's the money in Hollywood from donors. So you probably just took money from the Girl Scouts, the Boy Scouts, the Lutheran Church, the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. They just reshifted money to you. And we realized, wait a minute, you can't just raise money you have to think of new ways to bring in new money because otherwise you're just redistributing the exact amount of money. And now all of a sudden you're stealing from another charity that might need it. Yeah. And that was like, Oh shit. What a wake up call. Right. Like I just stole from that organization in the same city. And that's when we started thinking differently. Like most of the organizations in the city, first of all, need to go away because they're just not doing anything. Most mm-hmm. of your money needs to go to the, directly the cause. Yeah, eighty eighty five percent. We're a hundred. <laughs> the board writes the check to our administrators. So, as so a wake up,
0: can so I, much you can learn. <laughs> yeah.
2: Can I ask you what's the biggest misnomer about wine? Like, what's the biggest bullshit thing about wine when people are? Misconception? You mean? Yeah, oh, like fuck. people are trying to like like be smart about wine.
1: So I'm gonna. I'm going to give you guys a quick rundown that I, young Max here knows right here. He's very excited about
0: it. I like how Max interacts.
1: Junior at Cal Poly. He's the engineering guy. A <laughs> bunch of patents. This kid's he's the next Elon Musk and hopefully he's not going to be a dick.
0: I mean, hire us, Max.
1: Max will be hiring us, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, hire us. No. A uh,
1: couple things. Wine's full of douchebags. I'm <laughs> right.
0: I made a whole video <laughs> yeah. about this.
1: So oh wine God. needs to take after... The beer industry. Bunch Mm -hmm. of dudes with beards that don't shower. Uh, They almost want to look as bad as they possibly can. Right. And quit taking yourself so serious. Like, I could teach both of you how to make wine by Tuesday. No shit, it's Saturday. I could have you making wine by Tuesday. This isn't rocket science. It's like any other business. The question is will you do what it takes to not cut corners? Spend CapEx, reinvest in the business, right. invest in employees that are better, et cetera, et cetera. So the misnomer is that these guys are artists. Like, I, I, I've sat in rooms of a thousand people with people saying, you're just such a great artist. And I'm like, bro, you need to stop immediately because you're <laughs> insulting me. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, 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 there's so many great artists. I'm not one of them. Uh, if you want to call NBA players, those are, aren't it, because I wasn't born 6'8", and you know run a 4'4". Four, four. Right. You can't. I can't teach you to play in the NBA Tuesday. Right. Can't teach you to be Tom Brady or any NFL player any level. I can't even teach you to be a D3 player right. by Tuesday. Right. I can teach you how to make wine. So slow your fucking roll. Don't be so full of yourself. You're not an artist. It's Now, at the top level, Is my palate maybe a little more sensitive? I don't know. Maybe. You know, am I in tune because I drink a lot more wine? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you can do that. So that misnomer that this, the person at Krug is just the greatest, he might be because there are freaks, right? Like I sit in tastings and like, I'll tell you, we need 2% more Syrah or 2%, 1% more Petit and It makes the blend. Mm -hmm. So those things maybe make me a little different, but not a lot. The, the, it's not the difference between Tom Brady and it's the difference with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. They're both franks. Right. Like yeah. you can, so I can teach you to do this. So that for starters, number two, this whole deal that you have to age wine for it to be great. And this class system that expensive wine is better. Now you do get to a point where these sugar, shitty 20, $30 bottles, I'm not going to mention names. Those are all money grabs. If a wine tastes sweet, it's shit and it's sweet. If it tastes sweet, it was made to trick you Mm -hmm. and because they call them made to your taste or your, you know, to your profile. Right. And so they've duped all these people in the U.S. with these sweet wines that aren't legal in Europe. You're not, literally not legal to add these, what's called mega purple or fake concentrates coloring or port back Mm -hmm. to the wine to make it sweet. Yeah. So, most cheap wines are a scam. 2 buck chops, scam. All these, you know, most of the cheap wines that taste sweeter. My 20, My 20s were a scam. Not all of them are. <laughs> I make a 30 that's 100% legit. No, if it was sweet, yeah, it's a scam. Yeah. Uh, but not all are. You know, Jay lore here locally makes phenomenal wines. Oh, yeah. That Lohr, are legit. Yeah. They're 100%. Jay Lor's legit.
0: Yeah, we that's our like go to. We have a little cute market by where legit, we go that we'd yeah. like to support. Know the and wine team, know the wine makers, yeah. know
1: their protocol, legit. Mm-hmm. But the biggest scam in this business was the French and the British press trying to tell us we have to age wine mm-hmm. to make it better. Oh, this one is a BB. Uh, this vineyard needs twenty years. The vineyard's not great till it's one hundred. <laughs> These douchebags. Uh, <laughs> it, it's the greatest scam. And the way I tell the story, and I'm slurring my words because I am
0: We've officially, been drinking. We've been
1: drinking for a while now, yeah. yeah. We full started disclosure. with legal. Yeah. Full been disclosure, drinking. full disclosure, reposado and then blanco.
0: Yes. <laughs> and then
1: two bottles of wine. Like I'm banged and Champagne, yeah. I'm getting to the point where I'm banged
0: up. I'm actually impressed. We're really doing a great job. All things considered. I'm proud of us. Uh,
1: so <laughs> the great scam is that these like I see these people wearing an ascot, the wine spectator, in this coat and you know, Francois. And it's like, <laughs> I never met a homeboy in the vineyard wearing an ascot in a jacket. <laughs> I mean, it's just bullshit. Yeah. No, yeah. And this, uh, my wine is, the, the, the tenons are this and that. Listen, this is how you need to live your life with wine. It goes in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Look for yummy. If it makes you happy, And it's not full of sugar and shit. We don't have to label, which pisses me off. Why are we afraid to label in this state? We turned that down two years ago. Like, don't you want to know what the fuck is going in your body? I would love to know what's in it, (laughs) And we actually turned that bill down. Like, no, we don't want to fucking know. Why wouldn't we want to know about the fucking shit we're putting in our body?
0: What a weird move for the state of California, by the way.
1: The, the, The state of California hundred percent like fucking liberal wow.
0: hippie. And all of a sudden <laughs> we
1: chose to not want to know what the fuck's going on our body. But with wine, just trust what you like. Don't let any asshole tell you. Like I spoke in front of the wine spectator. We had a wine that year get, uh, with the wine spectator getting the top 10 in the world. And so I had to speak and I roll in my t-shirt and jeans and my faux quay And, uh, maybe it was, I was one of the hat guys in Venice and, uh, Everyone's wearing a coat and tie. And I'm like, it was like fucking noon. I'm like, so I, they handed me the mic, which was fucking probably a mistake. That's a
0: terrible <laughs> idea. I mean,
2: for them, it's a terrible idea. It's great for I'm everybody like,
0: else. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs>
1: Fuck is everyone wearing coats and ties for it? We have to fucking have, was there a special ID and a code to get in the room? <laughs> and everyone just shut up. And I go. I guess they say you should know your room before you try to tell a joke, but I don't give a fuck. Everyone just relax. Take your jacket off. This is booze, man. We ain't curing cancer. Just everybody take a chill pill. I love that. Grab the glass. Let's do some day drinking. And everybody started laughing relaxed, but at first they looked at me like mortified. And so I still approach it that way. Like, why this sport coat mentality? Why do I got to go in your cellar and have you be a Oh, under a light like this special bottle, it's like okay, I get it. I like good wine. Sure. But everybody's in a different bracket. It doesn't mean a Kia can't drive like a Mercedes. It doesn't mean that your twenty dollar bottle, you don't get as much pleasure as I might from a sixty right. or a hundred dollar bottle. I think mm-hmm. the Lexus
2: and Toyota are made by the same same, same right. production. Yeah, right. exactly, yeah. yeah. Someone, and so <laughs> yeah.
1: you start to realize that. And and by the way, the more you drink, your taste will go up. Yeah. It's like fashion, right? Mm-hmm. The more you buy, you're all of a sudden going to find this. But this whole aging bullshit, Aaron, this is a great deal for you. Could you imagine the, the, the green uh, onesie you're wearing right now mm-hmm. if they told you, well, it's going to scratch the shit out of you and give you a rash? So you're gonna to have to wash it a hundred times and probably it's probably gonna be five years before you're really comfortable. You'd never buy it. But yeah. in wine, they fucking somehow tell people. You say, hey, buy this bottle now and don't drink it. Don't even right. look at yeah. this <laughs> thing. Oh, not You I don't look at, you it at it twice a day, it's
2: gonna go bad. Yes. Right? Yeah.
1: And we buy into this bullshit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's such a scam. It's just such a it's just such a joke, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. There's no
1: truth to it. So people say, When should I drink the wine? Well, here's when you should drink the wine when my shipment comes open a bottle and if you think it's really badass smoke the whole fucking thing because it might not get any better that it's yeah. like a good orgasm that might be that it. might be it yeah <laughs> second time might have bad breath You're right yeast infection i yeah, don't know bad you know, shit UTI, right whatever yeah yeah so <laughs> it you know that might be it yeah or save a bottle for six months but you know this whole fucking like oh eric i thought it was it's just not ready yet it's like It's hard to even respond to that. So,
0: yeah. And you know what? Like that being said, we are members of Booker. And like I said, Ripper is my favorite. And I can't keep it. I love it. So I drink it when we get it. And I always feel like, oh, we should, we should invest in a wine cellar. We should, I should save some of this. But truth be told, I just like drinking it. And I like it because I like it. And it's delicious and it's amazing. And, Maybe it's that part of, so, you know, full circle, the yeah. impatience. Don't to ever me. get
1: more serious than that. <laughs> you yeah. don't need to. So we have four
2: bottles left from that shipment. and we need to go back and drink them immediately. Oh,
0: immediately. Yeah. <laughs> but don't get more serious
1: than that, you guys. This yeah. this this, this the, the shenanigans that have gone in, you know, listen, we're the three of us are white, right? Um Well, half. And
0: I'm half Mexican. Yeah, there ain't a
1: fucking Mexican bone in that body. You're a like, <laughs> <blonde and> like <laughs> She is Mexican though. Uh but the fact is, is this was the classic aristocratic douchebaggery, you know, <laughs> bunch of dudes in France in the 1800s telling their rich friends, okay, you're a first growth, you're a first growth. You're... It was never based on quality. It was right. never based, mm-hmm. or maybe they had, and my French friends, yes, it was at the time. Yeah, but that's changed. Right. Sears was quality. And guess what? You know what they are? Gone. Out of business. AOL. Gone. Fuck right. Yahoo. Right. Magellan.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ask Jeeves. Still here, but no one uses no it. No one uses <laughs> it.
1: Exactly. And that was yeah. going to be the greatest thing in the world. You know what? I just heard that in the year 2000, 75% of the Fortune 500 companies now are not even in business. Oh right. God. CNBC runs a commercial in the morning on this, something like that. 75%. And so, moral of the story what happened in 1820 or 1850, but yet these guys still get 500 a 1000 bucks for their bottles. It's like, it's criminal. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd go in and arrest them all. I'd lock them up. Just the family, the heirs. I'd put them all in jail for extortion. Uh, it's hard for me to take them serious. Got it, yeah
0: let take to prison. I'm going to call the cops on so many people tonight. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. yeah. Let's just do that tonight. Random Let's just go up, home yeah. to the hotel and call everyone. Where are, are you guys Portland. at tonight? Um, you we are in town? At, yeah, straight. down the street, five yeah. minutes away.
1: Do you have dinner reservations? We don't.
0: No, we're trying to figure that's out a, where that's to That's a eat. mistake,
1: because Paso, yeah. yeah. People yeah. always say, Eric, you can get me in. It's like... What, what do you think? They got a table like, Just hidden waiting for me? Yeah. Well, no. we
0: didn't know what time to make it for because we wanted to like make the evening like available. But then we're like, well, anything past 8. Don't is, ever like, be
1: available rocks. and accessible. That makes you easy. <laughs> that makes you easy. And I'll, t- I'll, I'll take advantage of both of you. Take
0: it, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know what? It was such a pleasure to do this podcast and to talk to you and also pick your brain about wine, yeah. the wine industry. But also, more importantly, I feel like this conversation is all about you know, the importance of community and cultivating that, giving back to that in an authentic, real way that means something to people. And I'm really grateful to be able to be here at your house and drink your amazing wine and champagne. Thank you so much for hosting us.
1: I love you guys. Uh, you're in the circle now. It's, a, it's not a very cool circle, but I got a cool pool.
2: Let yeah. me tell you: uh, letting Aaron in the circle, good idea. Letting me in the circle, huge mistake. Oh, <laughs> <But I'm> a, <laughs> really
1: bad. I'm a I'm a I'm an NBA freak, man. I'm a I'm a sports freak. We
2: could talk about it all night.
0: Okay, so Eric, where can people follow you and support your business?
1: So Booker Vineyard Winery, uh, and then Harvey and Harriet, my favorite neighbor. So myfavoriteneighbor.com, BookerWines.com. I really don't know if you could follow me. I think it's at Booker Badger. There's probably two people following it right now. I probably post every six months. And uh, the podcast, I have a podcast called Pop Corks. It's random. So, it may mean you might get You've
2: one. You've had you two know. incredible guests recently, right? That you that people really I, need to I listen to. I had my to. two top guests yeah.
1: recently. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You guys should go over there and, and subscribe that, yeah. immediately. <laughs>
1: I don't Five know. We don't. there's no <laughs> subscription. I think they, they pay. I think they we actually pay people to listen to this. So, you send in a code and maybe get 10 bucks in the mail or something. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you so much again, and uh, yes, we can't wait to catch up, I'm sure, sometime in the future. <laughs> Cheers, you guys. Cheers. Great having you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much to everyone who tuned into this episode and a big thank you to Eric for really giving us an incredible interview and an incredible view uh, where we recorded the podcast at his house was just absolutely beautiful and we had a blast drinking, popping some bottles with him. I'd also like to give a shout out to Mijenta Tequila. If you guys want to try them out, that's what we were drinking at the beginning of this show, Shop Mijenta.com for some really delicious upscale sipping tequila. Thank you guys so much. If you want to support the podcast, please go to patreon.com slash Aaron Darling, where you will get bonuses for joining the community. And feel free to rate us on iTunes because that's how we grow. If you like this episode, share it with someone else who would. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys next time.